Roots Radio. This is your host, Abby Martin. And this is your co-host, Robbie Martin. Hello. Hi. Uh, It's been a little bit since we did a show, and the Media Roots website should be launching in one week. I know that I always, it seems like I'm always (laughs) saying that every time we do a podcast, it's It's always one week. It's coming for real this time, It's coming for reals, and I'm sorry that I'm a little bit sick today. Robbie, did you happen to catch the the breaking the set yesterday? Did you see that guy who was a the Saddam Hussein's physician? I don't think I saw that one. The last one I saw before today's was the firefighter guy. Oh, okay. Well, this guy was really strange. He was like this paid stooge for the Pentagon. He was like this ex... Um, well, he's not an ex-physician. He was Saddam Hussein's physician, the guy who inspected Saddam right after he got captured. You know that video where the guy's like looking in his mouth and stuff and like examining his face when he's like... He just came out crawling under the rock or whatever he was hiding in. Yeah, spider hole. Yeah. So this yeah. guy, like, my boss was just like, "Hey, he's like, there's a really interesting guest in studio today. He's like, it's the doctor who examined Saddam Hussein." And I was like, "That's interesting. I don't really know what the hell I would talk to this guy about. Like, is he an Iraqi? Is he an Amer- American?" So I just had like 30 minutes to really figure out. You know, this guy was a combat medic, basically, on in Fallujah and Baghdad for. 15 months and did a bunch of crazy shit and so he came on and I I quickly realized that he was just a complete apologist for the military and he like turned the whole thing around and said that like PTSD is positive because people aren't losing limbs now how like war is evolving into a better way just because people are surviving war so your, your boss like inadvertently like yeah put a like a total propagandist right. like on your show right like for was, the government i've never been so angry other than in interviewing the israeli prime minister dude like i honestly was like i started sweating and i like was starting to get so angry because he was saying like the craziest shit ever about war and ptsd and how it's a good thing how we should be positive how it's an optimistic thing and i was just like what about veteran suicides i was like yeah you and i was like first of all we're fighting a tactic we're not fighting like what you could argue is an enemy 50 years ago I was like we're fighting this non-existent idea that people can't deal with now when they're on the battlefield their wars are based on lies and profit they come back they're given handfuls of pills by the VA um, misdiagnosed and they're all killing themselves it's like I don't understand how you can be optimistic about something so horrible it was just, like, absolutely crazy. And this aired? Yeah, this aired. Oh, my God. I, f- I feel like a dumbass for missing that No, one. no, so no. It, it I mean, it just happened yesterday. You should check it out. It's. <laughs> how did it end? I mean, what did... I mean, I totally, that? like... I think that I did an okay job, but I, I like, w- I, I almost exploded because I was just, like, seething with anger, and I let him speak for a while, and then I just, like, was like, no, I can't let you speak anymore, and I just, like, kind of totally broke him down <laughs> as much as I could. I mean, I looking back on it, I wish I could have said more and been like, your flippant attitude about this is why people aren't paying enough attention to these suicides. Like, you're, you're a physician. Who, do you know his name so we can call him out here? Yeah. Um, I will look it up right now, but let's, let's move on. I'll call it out in one second. I need to Google okay. it. Um, yeah, that's, that's really nuts. strange. I mean, uh, it seems like also there. I don't know if this is just coincidental, but Russia today's seems to have been throwing you more like free market, like um, uh, optimist type people recently. Oh, his name's Doctor Sudeep Bose. Sudeep Bose, Bose headphones. <laughs> so we're just calling out a propagandist shill who believes that PTSD is a good thing. Right. And his name is Doctor Sudeep Bose. Okay. Um, yeah, no, there, we have been um, putting more 
I, I want, you know, I, it's mostly me and my team who pick the guests, but sometimes someone will be like totally, we'll pick someone to talk about a certain subject and we'll realize like as the interview's going or if I don't have enough time to prepare that like, like that one guy who was an anarch, anarcho-capitalist and I didn't, I did not realize that at all. And so it was just like a really interesting twist and I wasn't prepared for it at all. Yeah, I mean, there's there's people like that you got to watch for out there who like they they have this overarching agenda that they'll plant they'll plant some like seeds for it like as they're talking it come unexpectedly mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like some of the generals that you had on your show or on with you a long time ago were like seemed like they were shilling for like some organization like the Koch brothers or somebody that's like trying to eliminate welfare or something like they were like talking about like, <laughs> you know what I mean yeah like yeah, they're talking yeah. about like welfare and like Medicare is like bad and stuff it's like it had like nothing to do with what they're talking about but they just like dropped this in the middle of the interview and, and I immediately thought I wonder if these people are getting paid by some sort of um, you know like healthcare industry think tank or something. Yeah, because they because they would come on talking about military spending and like you think that that's what they're going to be talking about about how it's so absurd how much money we're spending on the military and then they'll talk about how like yes military spending shouldn't happen more but then we should also cut from these social services and you're like well wait that's odd because it's such a drop in the bucket when you're talking about military spending it was just like not a necessary way to like guide the conversation it doesn't help what we're talking about. Um, I even, this other guy, Ramon, he's this awesome correspondent from L.A., but he did this this package. Hold on, I'm turning off my heater because it's really loud. Um, he did this great report about how, like, even, even the propaganda and the rhetoric about defense jobs, like how jobs will be lost and stuff, that's, like, not even true. That's even the opposite of true. Like, the defense industry is one of the industries that creates the least amount of jobs and like in the past five years they've all grown exponentially all the top five defense industries in the country like their consolidated growth and wealth is so high and it's just been increasing every year but the amount of jobs they've created in that time is actually less and less and i don't know if it's because more is being automated or if they can foresee sequestration whatever the fuck you want to call it these military cuts so they like are just managing their resources really well but it's just like even that is a total lie. Someone about military spending cuts today, and you're like, so let's just like cut through this rhetoric because it's obviously like bullshit. Like, yeah, it's just easier to regurgitate these talking points and 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 go along with whatever you see these these people talking about. Like, it's just, but it's such a facade. I mean, let's t- if we want to talk about the economy, let's talk about how this whole system is based on debt and how it's like completely an unsustainable thing. Eventually it's going to implode. I mean, there's no way that this can last this way. So yeah, it's just, it's just these superficial arguments, you know, it really is. It's just totally pointless. I mean, and you always hear about these stupid distractions, the fiscal cliff, sequestration. It's like, what? I mean, $85 billion is a drop in the bucket. We're, when we're talking about the, the, the amount of spending being made by this government is just so dumb. If you compared it to like, you know, people talk about the system and the establishment being a machine that's that's on, that's running, that nobody can mm. stop. Talking about things like the fiscal cliff and the sequestration, it's almost like 
as if the news is t- is making a story about this one gear in the machine is stuck and, and like, <laughs> we're trying to like figure out why it's stuck how to like get the gear cranking again instead of like zooming out and looking at the whole machine and like actually you know critiquing making commentary on the machine itself well the machine is like unstoppable so we're just going to talk about like the people who you know exactly. the little components about it that are like arguing with each other about like totally insignificant things that have no effect on anybody really perfect way to explain it <laughs> the only there's been very few stories that have really stuck out at me recently mm-hmm. since our last episode obviously the chris dorner one oh, is God. crazy tragic and and just insane how you know, even some of the smartest people out there are, like, defending the actions of the police burning the house down. Because it's like, oh, well, what, what, you know, what, what, once you kill a cop, you know, it's like you gotta, you know, they, they were angry at him and all this shit. It's like, well, first of all, they denied that they burned him alive. They right. keep saying that they used some kind of special incendiary tear gas that accidentally set his house on fire. When it's obvious that they did that. Like, that was a punishment. They wanted to burn him alive. Like, it's on tape, you know. I mean, you play the tapes on your show. It's obvious, and that's that's another example of people denying reality. It's like you're changing the goalposts. First, you're like, no, they didn't burn him alive on purpose. It was an accident, and then you're like, well, even if they did, it's you know, it's understandable. Well, it's, it's, that's it's, exactly it's, what. It's a logical fallacy of moving. Yeah, it's a. It's because you can't you deny reality, but then you just like accept this weird. I don't know. It's it's a move. It's a thing people do very often as they move the goalposts. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because like at first, it's like this gut reaction where you're like, well, of course, uh, you know, you you, not me or you, but I mean, a lot of people just inherently want to trust that the police didn't do that. They're just like, well, no. If the yeah. police said that they didn't burn this guy alive, like I trust them. Like the, I even got told at work when I came in the next day after learning about how they burned him alive and and heard the audio tape and I. I went in and I was just like, isn't it insane that the LAPD or whatever whatever police department burned him alive? And they were like, that's totally irresponsible to say that. Like, I can't believe you would make that claim. It's totally unverified. And I was like, wait, did you not hear the audio tape of the police scanner? And they're like, still, like, we don't know if that's true. And I was like, well, hold on. If it were true, would you agree with it? And they were like, no, of course not. And then, like, this other guy was just like, well, he is going around killing cops, so, like, that's just what you have to expect. And I was like, well, the cops are going around shooting random people, almost drove two women off the road, shot them 200 times. It's a miracle that they're alive. Yeah, I mean, it's... And there's it's, other ways to subdue someone. There's no, other ways it, to subdue someone other than burning a cabin. I'm sorry. And it really irritated me. You know, people like to throw around the term conspiracy theorists all the time, just intellectually deficient people who don't who are just too lazy to actually go outside of their bubble and do any sort of reading or anything. Um, Somebody was suggesting how awful it was. They weren't suggesting anything about how, you know, he was innocent or anything like that. They weren't saying he was a good person. They were just saying, isn't it tragic that the cops are trying to cover up the fact that they obviously just burned him alive? Like they were gung ho (laughs) on killing him. They killed innocent people in the wake of this like manhunt for him. And then like a bunch of people were like, I shouldn't say a bunch. That's that's exaggerated. It was like two people were like, <laughs> "Oh, do I do I see a tinfoil hat here? That smells like a conspiracy theory." And I just got so angry, and I'm thinking, Wait, "What? What is I'm, conspiracy theory?" The conspiracy about that? theory is that the cops burnt him 
alive. Wow. And they were like, oh, this just sounds like every other so conspiracy theory about how, how cops are, like, conspiring to kill people. Like, all you, you know, you liberal people think that all cops are evil and then you create these conspiracy theories about them. It's like, that's not a conspiracy theory to suggest something that's been historically proven time and time <laughs> again that police embrace this warrior-like, war-like mentality when one of their own gets killed and they go on a rampage, an emotionally driven, like, mob mentality rampage to fucking punish the people who right. did it. That's not like, you know, the cops didn't go in some dark, smoky room and conspire to do this. It's human emotion put all the way to 11, and you get a bunch of cops together in that same frothy you know, mindset yeah, and you're going to get mob mentality and, and you're going to get a dead person on the other side of that. Just right. like in the wild West, it's like those scenes you see on movies where mm -hmm. someone will come out of the house and they shoot the whole house up. Right. You know, it's, it's police. It's a, it's a movie trope. This is what angry police do in you're these right, situations. The it's not, it's not one, a conspiracy yeah, of any kind. The second a shot is fired, that gives people carp, it gives them carte blanche and like just to open up, you know, it's like once, that move is made, it's just okay for the whole group, the herd, to move in like fucking wolves. Yeah. It's the same kind of excuse you would make for a soldier, like shooting yeah, a bunch yeah. of innocent people or, or, you know, killing an old man who just surrendered or something. Like <laughs> horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it is horrible. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing how at first everyone denies it, and then, of course, when the audio tape is verified, everyone's just like, well... What were they supposed to do? It's like, I don't know, maybe not burn a man alive? I mean, what are we... What, what's the difference between that and, like, stoning someone? I mean, you're, you're burning a human being alive. And then I was just like, how do we know anything at this point? All we know is that we read some manifesto. And, I, and, and, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist if you want. But when you burn someone alive, just like, you know, you supposedly throw Bin Laden's body in the ocean, it just kind of leaves that hanging question. Like, how do we even know any of this... You know, like, how do we know anything? And there's no trial. There's no due no, process. No, I mean, when there's no... No, yeah, I mean, it's completely reasonable and, and rational to question the, the facts surrounding a case where the person is dead, you know, yeah. is, is killed by the police. I mean, the Bin Laden thing is absurd just on based on the idea that this would have been like a treasure treasure trove of information let's just assume for a second that the war on terror is actually based on reality wouldn't you want to capture the guy who's apparently in charge of like this main enemy that we're fighting like why would we just kill him because we even Robbie, captured Saddam Robbie, he had human shields and he had a whole arsenal of weapons and pornography that he had protecting him in his fortress don't you realize that and he had WikiLeaks cables all around him so, I mean, you can't... You can't Wait, did they claim like that? that? Is that a new thing? Dude, dude. Wait, they claim that he, like, was, like, getting information, like, that, so that's... Whoa, ready for this? Crazy. Ready for yeah. this? They're bringing it all back to Bradley Manning, bro. That's what I just found out. It's, like, it's totally perfect. God. It's totally perfect. So, I <laughs> I asked one of the, the girls who's covering the Bradley Manning case who, you know, what the update was, because Bradley Manning's been speaking, he's been testifying and all this stuff of what's been going on, and she was like, well, this is what they're doing. She's like, they're talking about how... They're basically arguing that he did aid the enemy because Bin Laden's fortress in, in Pakistan was found to have WikiLeaks documents that he released through his leak. Isn't that amazing? 
Yeah. And it's amazing I mean, because, like, they still can't point to anything that would have caused any well, real damage. And it's also total. I mean, I, I do not believe BS. that one second. No, I don't believe it's it It's totally either. planted. I mean, it's just totally insane that they're, like, trying to use this Bin Laden thing to tie Bradley Manning to Bin Laden. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's like a black box of information. I mean, they could just pull out anything <laughs> right. from there that they want to. Yeah, exactly. You it's know, like half of the team is dead. Trick. Half of the SEAL team is dead that apparently killed them. Of those half of the people remaining, the only guy who's, like, gone on an interview and talked about the experience said he did not know it was Bin Laden. He had just killed until he was told later, after the operation was already over. And and the Stratford intelligence leak that ha- Jeremy Hammond, who's also facing life in prison or 30-plus years because he ha- helped hack into that private intelligence firm, part of that leak exposed that almost every person on the boat that they supposedly buried Bin Laden at sea at did not see the burial. Literally, there's like all these emails released. I think that we've talked about this before, but there's all these emails released between the people who were involved in that mission, and they said that they never saw him be buried. <coughs> I mean, I mean, there's literally not one piece of evidence at all. No, and it's zero, and, and that makes us conspiracy theorists for not <laughs> believing that story. You know. And then people were like, well, what do you think? He, that he's still alive, hiding somewhere? It's like, I don't know. Yeah, we're just like, no, I don't just care. That that, that didn't I'm just happen. saying that the government didn't give us any evidence, and it was awfully convenient. Right. And, I mean, it's fucking, it's Bin Laden. I mean, come on, like, if you knew where he was, enough to go inside. I mean, most of these people we take out with drone strikes, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if we wanted to be sure it was him, like I, I, it's there was no and and Obama already slipped up. He he said himself that it was the operation to kill him. He didn't even say capture anything like that. So they set out to kill him. So why didn't they just use a drone? I don't know. It it's it's very very strange. The whole thing is very strange, and I I find it funny the whole sea burial thing that it's trying they're trying to put it into our consciousness now, like the show Homeland, which is dude. Pure I was propaganda. just gonna say that that's they so had crazy sea, that you just said that they had a sea burial scene exactly with like that fake that. that fake like terrorist yeah. character Abu Nazir like, uh, <laughs> Abu Nazir sea burial, and I was thinking, oh damn, here go here's like the government propaganda. Being like all wrapped up nice and, and tidily on t- TV now, it's like people will see that and be like, "Oh, that must have been what the Bin Laden Sea Burial was like." Okay, cool. Yeah, it's okay, like yeah. They like, did a little <laughs> prayer over him and then they threw him off. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, I'm glad Homeland." Like, you know, now I can kind of get a vision of what that was like. Yeah, it's, it's totally sophisticated, and that's what what's so crazy about Homeland is because I got kind of sucked into it, and oh, it did just you? Oh, a little bit because I'm just you know like. Some shows like that are really dumb. I'm also I mean, sucked into Top you, Chef. You, were you like, did, didn't you find it sort of fascinating how they would like, it was like the propaganda was not like. Well, that's why I was sucked into it because they brought you to the point where they they give you a little glimpse of why the CIA is fucked up and, you know, these drone strikes are bad and this is why this guy wants to enact revenge. But then it all leads you back to the end message, which is that Muslims are animals, they're evil. They're religious fanatics. They will. They're all suicide bombers. They never change. Um, they're ultimately terrorists, and we're the good guys. Like no matter what, and it just it, so it'll give you. It's like that liberal line, you know. It's like oh yes, you know, because liberals can look at the CIA and they're like, yeah, you know, we do some fucked up shit. Drones are bad, but it's yeah, better it than that. Yeah, it throws all those people a bone. Yeah, but we it's... need to do that, and so it really is throwing the bone to kind of like that sophisticated liberal academic audience, you know. Absolutely. And, uh, that was a good job. I think I think it was Stephen who said when he first started watching it, he was he found it interesting that they were trying to like 
do both things. Like they were making, they were trying to emphasize much more that like the Muslim religion is a peaceful one, and that like the main character. Doherty, Doty or some fucking shit. Yeah. What's the main, the main guy's name yeah, yeah, yeah. was like actually going to end up being like not a terrorist and, and they would just, he would just be like a soldier who converted right. to Islam. But then, but then they obviously are making him out to be a, I mean, they're still like making it like you're not sure if he is or not, but it's, yeah, like you said, everything in that show leads to the conclusion that. Muslims are not to be trusted. But even a peaceful seeming Muslim on the surface is a is a murderous terrorist. And then at the same time, what I find so funny about that show is that besides mentioning the, the drone uh, collateral damage thing, which they do for to like throw a bone mm-hmm. to the liberals, they will also portray like all these CIA like on the ground operations oh, that yeah, happen, yeah, yeah. where like we send in men to go like you know, kill Um, one person or something. It's like, we don't do anything like that. We fucking shoot a missile at these motherfuckers. (laughs) We don't, we we don't risk, like nobody is like, there's no bravery in the CIA. Like nobody does that kind of shit. I mean, maybe, you know, Navy SEALs and stuff, do that kind of stuff, but I don't believe it for a second. I think the CIA is just really good at espionage and intelligence gathering. And like, they don't risk personnel like that. They just have a guy do drinking coffee, shooting, you know, playing like video games in his office flying a drone out to somewhere and shooting someone i think if they do do that then it's like sniper teams people yeah i mean i mean if that you know or they i mean they'd much more likely just use a drone to bomb them now did you see yeah, that dude yeah, oh yeah. my god did you see that new drone by general dynamics it's the most horrifying video apparently it's like five years old but i just saw it and it was absolutely it is insane and i mean Oh it's not not that surprising at all. I mean, like, it it'll just make it insanely easy for the police or whoever to spy on somebody now. And it's and it's not just a spying drone. It's this really crazy looking t- Terminator mid, uh, pigeon type robot thing that can um, last for weeks just on getting electricity from from electric wires or from the sun. And so it can be on these missions for weeks and weeks. And it's just interesting to me because we did use pigeons, you know, back in whatever, uh, World War One and stuff for espionage. So it's interesting that we've just gone so far now. We have these, like, robot killer pigeons that are really tiny or they're in the form of, like, these little flying frogs with wings and it just can get in anywhere. They're really small. Um, they go in swarms and they not only surveil everything, but they can administer chemical agents, explosives, and they can kill you. So it's like a sniper little tiny drone that's just totally silent and just comes up right behind you and just snipes you. That's what that's that's what's on the market now, <laughs> apparently, with these private contractors. The private military contractor. Yeah, I mean, as technology gets better, they're just going to find... It's just going to be easier and cheaper to do things like that. Terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. It is terrifying. I mean... I mean, and surveillance technology is, you know, I remember, like, before I even, like, got into politics, there was, um, you know, the, the, the government was starting to sell local law enforcement the technology to see through walls. Whoa. Um, it's not like infrared. X-rays? Like a real-time x-ray, like, like, um, like a way that you can actually spy through someone's house without entering their home. Like, you can park a car outside and see through their walls. And it's, it's not infrared. It was something else where you see actual more detail. It's not... I don't think it was, like, perfect, you know, clarity. It was still probably pretty bad. But um, 
That you know, technology is like 10 years old now. I mean, imagine what exists now. Like, You know, it was weird when I went through security on Friday going to uh, L.A. Uh-huh. The, like, I opted out or whatever, and she was just like, why are you opting out? And I was like, because I don't want to go through the body scanner thing. And she was like, well, it's not an x-ray anymore. She's like, it's just totally harmless. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, we changed the machine. And I was like, really? I just... I was just like, I don't, I like, I don't, I don't believe you. <laughs> it's just really weird. I mean, they still look like the same machines. It's just strange. Yeah. I think there Have was a definite. Have you heard anything about that? I heard that they were like going to remove all of them from airports, but I don't really, yeah, it's kind of iffy. I mean, if it's the same company providing the machines and they just like, what do they do? Like lower the x-ray intensity? I mean, it's still taking a naked body image of you. Yeah, I don't really get it. I mean, I actually heard the opposite of what what What? she told you, is that they're actually going to upgrade the machines to be even more x-ray intensive, where they can actually search your body cavities through x-rays. Oh, God. Yeah. So if someone's trying to smuggle something in their vagina or their ass or something, like, it'll actually show up on the, on the, um, the screen. Wow. So, I don't know. I mean, Something to look forward to. Yeah. To get a virtual body cavity search? Yeah, it's better than a real body cavity search like this one cop did to these, this woman who got pulled over on some routine traffic stop. Oh, my God, I saw that. Like, that was absurd. It was insane. And and the fact that a cop would even do that, I would, it would be, it would almost be easier to say, well, that cop is a pervert and right. he's, and he is crazy for doing that. Right. But it, it's almost... I think it's more difficult for people to believe, but this is what I believe is that is that the standards of privacy and like your own personal rights have been diminished so much mm-hmm. that people just are literally think that's the okay. No, you're right. Like that that cop was retarded enough and disrespectful <laughs> enough of the rights given to us in the constitution that he would cavity search someone on the side of the road and yep. then his female companion would join him in those efforts. Yep. I mean I don't think he was a pervert. I'd like to think he was because it would be like easier to comprehend. But I think that we have fallen that far as like a society that that's like almost that's considered like something you would even that would even cross your mind to give someone a cavity search in public. You know, it's fucking crazy. But it's I feel like that's kind of what we're moving into is just this like we don't understand our own privacy rights anymore, you know. You're absolutely right. I really do think it's that slow, incremental, just acceptance, you know, the conditioning that that, that breeds this kind of behavior. Yeah. It's really true. It's just, it's a sad truth, I think. No, and I think you, it's, it's different. It's much easier to say, like, yeah, this cop's a psychopath, but, you know, no, we all know that I, that's probably not true. I think it's different than the typical, like, renegade, you know cop that oversteps his bound you know the boundaries of of what normal cops do and like targets you to try to like punish you it's different than that it's like this new mentality of it's like it's it's paranoia first of all he was searching her for marijuana yeah um, and she didn't even have any i don't think right. like uh, and, and but i mean there was like even another case recently where a cop pulled over a family uh, a married couple for having like a a logo on the back of their car that was like this leaf from a sports team and the cop pulled them over because he said it was a marijuana leaf so there's like several things wrong with that first of all it wasn't a marijuana leaf 
which wow, makes that the shows cop you how a complete moron. The cop is. But then, second of all, it's not illegal anywhere in the United States to have a marijuana leaf right. displayed anywhere, any at any time. And that you was could wear a marijuana of... leaf on an airplane if you want to. You know, maybe the private airline might get mad at you, but a cop can't arrest you or like stop you for that. Right. I mean, that's that's a that's so hilarious. Wow, <laughs> it's just really bizarre. What what. You know, the, well, the first of all, the war on drugs has like warped police minds to do things like that. But then, like that, they would would even cross the cop's mind to like pull someone over for something that minuscule. That is just pathetic. It <laughs> is pathetic. pathetic. It's sad, but it's also I think it's just disturbing. Aren't you supposed to be like trying to protect people? You know, like that's your job is to protect people, make sure criminals are on the road, but. It's like just they get their minds all twisted, you know. The war on drugs has taught them that marijuana is bad. I just it's shocking to me, but yeah. It is. It, I think to become at, a cop too. To become a cop, you can't have done really any drugs at all. So it's like these people are pretty straight edge. I don't know, not straight edge. I mean, they're obviously like really manic <laughs> and hopped up on testosterone. It just, if they knew that marijuana was just not a big deal at all, I mean, how do you not realize that by now? How, how, wouldn't you feel like an idiot just, like, prosecuting people because of marijuana? No, I mean, there's thousands of people who prosecute people for marijuana every day. I mean, it's... Man, what a waste of money and time. Or just even drug possession, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, catching someone with a personal amount of drugs, or even just drug sales, and and the person has no other criminal record. It's like, what is really the harm being done here? It, it's really absurd. Did you happen to catch the Oscars? I actually completely uh, ignored them. But <laughs> what, what happened on them? Anything stupid? I mean, I... got snubbed. I know yeah. Michelle Obama came on. Okay, because you should actually... I, I saw, like, photos of it, too. You don't really get the full picture until you watch the clip of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch anything from the Oscars other than that segment, and I totally forgot that they were on, and I was, like, right down the street from them happening, but... Uh, I'm happy that I missed them because I hate Seth MacFarlane and I don't think he's funny at all. So it was just like, I realizing that he was hosting the whole thing and it was just like really crude, kind of just like over-the-top humor. It's like family guy style, you know? And so anyway, best picture, most notorious award there, and it's presented from the White House sat- via satellite with Michelle Obama dressed like she was an, a fucking Oscar winner, like in this glittery gown surrounded by military personnel donned with war medals, glitter and like confetti all around the Oscar stage, like this giant satellite, and it's all blue, like for Democrat, and it was just so crazy. It was so fucking crazy, and I know that you really like Argo, and I haven't actually seen it. But I, but I, I found, mean, let me, let me deny. just, huh? I, I found it enjoyable. I don't, I don't think yeah. it was like accurate. Or okay. Anything, but, but yeah. So just the fact that, you know, here's the wife of the man who is, uh, has a, inherited this military empire where Iran is the most vilified country in the world right now, arguably. I mean, it is, you know, that is the, the most contentious country right now to have her present this award of a kind of a, this, another sophisticated propaganda movie, which even though it provides context of why there's hostile relations between the U.S. and Iran going back to the 50s and the overthrow of the Shah, it's still, at the end, talks about how the CIA came in and did this heroic mission and saved Americans and how Iranians are evil captors. I mean, that, you know, at the end of the day, it's still pushing that line. And, and to have her present this thing, it was just, it's just so crazy to me. Can you imagine if Laura Bush or... 
or any, I mean, yeah, Laura Bush pre presented the Best Picture Award, like, four years ago. Wouldn't that have been bizarre? Would people have liked that? It's just like, Hollywood just loves Obama, still. They do. It's really absurd. I mean, I mean with a few, you know, awesome exceptions, like, yeah, like John, John Cusack, Cusack. And, <laughs> and people who actually, like, believe in their civil rights and stuff, I just think... You know, a lot of these people in Hollywood are just either old, older, and sort of, like, broken people who are, like, over actually being self-righteous about politics or, like, a mm -hmm. cause. Or they're just sort of younger and naive people who have sort of latched on to the generic political wins at the time. You know, they feel like they're on, like, the, the good side of things. And, I mean, I even remember Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner, they came to... I think that they lived in the Bay Area at the time, and they came to like the rally, like the the you know the rally for Jerry McNearney, um, the congressman who was running what? for. Yeah, I don't think Ben Affleck actually Fuck. ended up coming. I think it was just his wife. So Jennifer Garner came out to like promote Jerry McNearney, the congressman in their district, and Jerry McNearney, you know, even before he won, he was pretty, you know. Very generic Democrat. But he, he was, still didn't. He still did even less than he promised. Remember? Like oh he God, anything. he did way less. <laughs> he was like really, actually, one of the most like outspoken anti-war critic, like congressman. I in even the running. spoke at a nine eleven truth thing for him. Remember? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he was like pretty. He was pretty much on the left, and then as soon as he got into office, he wrote this op-ed. I think it was in the SF Chronicle about how he's completely changed his mind on the war now that he's gotten like a tour of it. You know, courtesy of the U.S. Yeah, military. Yeah, dude. Now I got the inside. And then scoop. he thinks it's we need good. to stay. He thinks we need what? to stay. Yeah. So like, idiot. And I mean, just you know, I not to like call Ben Affleck and his wife just complete morons, but it's not like they were ever, like, had any real principled political opinions to begin with. I mean, they're, they're I think they're very much surface-level, like, political types. I mean, Ben Affleck, I even saw a clip of him on Bill Maher saying, what's, why are all these Republicans complaining about the, you know, the body scanners and the TSA? It's, what's the big deal? They're just going to touch your dick a little bit. That was his actual quote. Yeah, that's mature. So... That's the type of knee-jerk um, mentality that's happened is just because people on the right are complaining about something that's a clear violation of your civil rights, the people on the left knee-jerk against it. are like, oh, what's the big deal? You guys are a bunch of whiners. I don't mind it. I don't mind getting my balls fondled, you know, as before long I go on the plane. As protects from terrorism. I don't care about yeah. doing a cavity search on the side of the road as long as it protects yeah. me from terrorism. Well, what, does that mean that you believe that about, you believe Bush's war on terror validates this, these kind of civil rights curtailments? It just seems like everybody's memory is just erased. It's like, it fuck it. It is erased. Fuck right. it. All these, those dumb Republicans are complaining about it, so I'm going to embrace it because I'm a total child. <laughs> and I'm just going to, like, knee-jerk away from whatever Those they believe. Those damn tea partiers are, yeah. are up in arms or, again. Or it's the same knee-jerk mentality of being like, well, what's so, what's so great about the Constitution anyways? What are, what's up with all these constitutionalists? I don't think the Constitution is, is that good because it was written by slave owners. Yeah, you can make a really broad knee-jerk generalization against the Constitution until you... You know, you actually realize that the Constitution is what has granted you the freedom of speech, the right to a free press. Without these things in this country, you would not have lived with the freedoms that you've had. So, yeah, you can talk shit about all you want because Republicans and Libertarians are into it. But that doesn't make it any less true. You Isn't know, just it amazing that that's a device like that's a party issue? 
now. It it is, and and what's all what's Amazing. really sad about it is it's like the Second Amendment is considered like the most important right. That know? is the strangest thing to me, and it's like that's you, that's an absolute last resort. You know if, why? Because it's the only thing that you can hold, and you feel this powerful thing. You know, you're like, yeah, I got my gun. It's like it's the very, freedom. It's of, very direct. Yeah, yeah, it's, very it's like this very direct thing. You know, you're envisioning like, oh, this thing could be taken from me, and then like I won't be able to defend. You feel like this naked bear about not having a gun. I'm I'm not saying I do. I'm saying a lot of people apparently do. Um, but those same people don't seem to realize that they don't have a due process. It's just that they haven't been literally stripped out of their home and thrown into a cell yet. Well, you're you're absolutely right. You can't feel in your hands. I mean, that's obvious, but you can't feel even in a way that directly affects you. A normal person. An average American citizen cannot feel that those that those what those rights provide for them. It's not it's not like a direct enough interaction with their, you know, with their environment. But a gun, yeah, it's something that you hold. Is something that you. It's a hobby of yours. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of hunters and stuff. It's part of their lifestyle. So it's like, yeah, once you take that away, then they know that things are going bad. Whereas a lot of these same people who believe in the Second Amendment, they're not. You know, they're not journalists, they're not activists, so they don't realize that for those people, there's already like a dark curtain kind of hanging over them. You better stay in line, you know, because most of your protections are gone now, you know? Yeah, when we were at the NDAA rally in New York, and everyone should check out that episode, we did a whole feature just on the NDAA hearing, and it was just really intense. Um, Chris Hedges was awesome. We got a full interview with him. We'll post it on the timeline right now. By the way, this timeline, we're going to have a little interactive timeline, a bunch of links that we're talking about and stuff that you can reference. But anyway, And please so, keep your comments yeah. to only like one or two if you're going to actually comment <laughs> on the timeline. It would be really appreciative because when you make a lot of comments, then people just can't you know, can't see our comments, and then it's actually impossible for us to put our own comments on it. So yeah, because we're minimizing these. Please do all not do that. Card. If you have feedback or criticism, please leave it on the website or on Facebook. Right. Um, and you could be as critical as you want. Just don't do it on the timeline. Um, it would make our lives a lot easier. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the NDA hearing, there was. You know, I I kind of tried to be optimistic about it. And I was like, there are hundreds of people flooding the courtroom and stuff. I mean, there weren't. I mean, there there was about a hundred people, um, and it's just really unfortunate. Where were all the Liberty Second Amendment Ron Paul activists, and where were all the Occupy Wall Street people? And and like I posted this photo of the quote like protest outside, that was mostly just like a press conference with kind of uh, dozens of people filtered around, um, and some someone was just like, "Where are the Occupy Wall Street do like douchebags?" I don't see them anywhere. And I was like, I don't know where the second amendment Ron Paul people like, cause this guy was like a little, like this, like yeah, know, the second like amendment division, person who yeah. was just like, Oh, where are the Occupy Wall Street turds? They're not out there. I was like, ah, uh, yeah, actually no one was out there. I was like, so all you guys bickering about second amendment rights and like Occupy Wall Street. I mean, this is kind of an issue that we shouldn't give a fuck what side you're on. Like this is thing that something that we can all band together and actually stop. If you guys really tried this has nothing to do with party lines at all. Mm-hmm. It's just so sad. It is really sad. And I think that's part of the problem with what's happening now is everyone just... In, it's not just Democrat and Republican anymore. I mean, that same mentality has taken over a lot of these different right. subgenres of politics, like libertarian versus socialism or, you know, 
and things that aren't even really true because we can't we can't describe a lot of the feelings people have these days. I mean, I think it was on an older episode of ours with the Iowa caucuses and Bill Crystal was on TV and he's like, I just don't understand how these, um, who these Ron Paul fans are. It's like, they're, you know, they're either Kucinich fans or, or they'll vote for Ron Paul. It just doesn't make any sense. You just imitated him perfectly. (laughs) But it's true. It's like, it doesn't make sense to those people, but it also doesn't make sense to a lot of just people who, who follow around this stuff too. Cause it's like, they get trapped into one paradigm. I mean, it seemed like earlier on when you and I were into this is that there were a lot more people out there who would support someone like Kucinich, but then they would also support Ron Paul, you know, if they were in, you know, up for election or whatever. Now it's more like, Oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Ron Paul constitutionalist and I'm, against socialism and gun control so therefore i hate kucinich or something dude you're so right about that it, robbie i was thinking about that the other day but it, it's it's like no, you gotta pick right. and choose your battles i mean yes compromising can be bad but at the same time like you gotta really focus in on like what are the what are the most important values to you and which people are presenting are are pushing those values you know not like oh do these people follow my philosophy 100% because no one everyone's different everyone's going to have different opinions about stuff but what do they what do these people hold in highest regard and people like Chris Hedges you may not agree with a lot of the things he says but if you're a freedom advocate and you believe in the freedom of speech and freedom of the press then you should support what he's doing in regards to the NDAA you know regardless of your political affiliations or his I mean that at least that's the way I see it no, I think you're absolutely right. And this is something that I was just thinking like yesterday, so it's really cool that you brought it up. Um, I was thinking about Cynthia McKinney, who's going to come on our show actually next week. Because I was thinking about how she ran. You know, here, Ron Paul runs in 2008. And then Cynthia, no, 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 not in 2008. Yeah, he did. But he didn't, oh, I know. He ran, but he didn't go for it after he lost the primary. So then Cynthia McKinney, yeah, so then, so I mean, even though I was a registered Republican and voted for Ron Paul in the primary, I voted for Cynthia McKinney in the presidential election. I mean, those are two diametrically opposed ideological beliefs. We have a socialist Green Party woman with a radical, uh, uh, you could argue like the most right, um, you know, fiscally conservative libertarian. So... But 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 at the time, I mean, we knew, you know, these are the two people who would really make the most radical change needed. And, and they so, were two of the only people speaking truth to power yeah. in a general way. I mean, like actually going out there and and you know getting in the face of like Rumsfeld and stuff. And yeah, and now it's like I have Cindy Sheehan on, and like I, I'm sure when I have Cynthia McKinney on, two people will be like, "Why do you have this fucking socialist on? Like, what's wrong with you? Socialism and communism are destroying America. Obama's communist and is destroying America. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you people? You well, like, how I do can you not t- see this? I can tell you what happened to those what? assholes. I'm gonna call them out. I think that those people are totally brainwashed idiots. And if you're listening and you're one of those people, then fuck you. Because, (laughs) no, seriously, like, you guys, you Ron Paul lovers and supporters and constitutionalists, before you were open-minded and you were free of party affiliation, most of you guys, I mean, I'm just going by, like, what I saw on the internet, a lot of you, you Ron Paul supporters were very displeased with the fact that he was even still with the Republican Party. Like, a lot of you were encouraging him to quit from the party and just go independent and and what happened was all these all this big money 
that saw the collapse and the implosion of the Republican Party happening tried to co-opt and buy off a lot of you in a philosophical way. They spread to you their poisonous ideas, which play into the Republican Party like philosophy, and they bought you off. Like now, now a lot of you guys think that people who have socialist beliefs are inherently bad, or you you think that Barack Obama is communist, which is completely not true. Yeah, you're um, right. Look at all these people who used to be supportive of Ron Paul and his decision. I remember everyone saying they should run together on the same ticket. Yeah. It would be like a dream team. Can you not imagine those the tea people? Party. No, the tea no, party. Not, which is so sad. And like, I'm not talking about the original Tea Party. No, we could talk no. about that. We could talk about that if we wanted to. But the Tea Party, the original Tea Party, has been overshadowed by the big money. Um, astroturfing protest groups and if people can't see that who are still Ron Paul supporters and who were from before that then take a look around you a little harder because a lot of dangerous misguided naive and generic like old school Republican party talking points have infected you mm-hmm. I mean it's they've infected the scene and a lot of people in the alternative media movement who used to be more even-handed about the political parties have been infected as well. I mean, we're, we won't even have to mention their names again. You need to listen to our episode two episodes ago mm-hmm. if you want to hear us talk about that and who's been infected. And, you know, certain people making friends with Matt Drudge, who used to be um, <laughs> very anti, you know, Republican Party. And so I, 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 I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm really angry about the fact that that the Ron Paul thing has been co-opted by like the Republican right wingers. Like when it used to be, at least to me, like a way to bridge that gap. It, it seemed really like, used to be. It really it did. Seemed, it seemed like a way to ally the people on both sides that together. And now that, that allegiance is totally broken. Now we're just back in this like knee jerk mentality where it's like, not where only it's the like Republican, these fringe groups of, of like subsects of the Democratic and Republican Party, and we're still fighting each other over the same things that the Democrats and Republicans are fighting each other over. It's like the same divide and conquer stuff. Yeah. I mean, at least Democrat groups. and Republican is like a team loyalty, like one team versus the other. But like when it gets into the territory of like socialism versus free market capitalism, when we have neither and we never have, and, no, <laughs> and, no, and there's barely any country on the planet that actually practices right. or has practiced full socialism, it's just all... It's and just full a, free a market, vacuum yeah. of bullshit, but that's how well, it's it, frustrating it because it's hard to even get to a, a point in dialogue that we're on a plane of reality because it's like we're so poisoned. Like the well is so poisoned with propaganda and misinformation, false rhetoric, mm-hmm. and just false ideas and beliefs and religion. And so it really makes it hard to even bridge that conversation where you can evolve and like get to another plane where which is where we need to go like we do need to move on from this from this mess and and grow from it and learn from it and and make sure that we can maintain this planet's survival and humanity's survival i mean this these are these are serious things that we need to do um but if we can't even get to a point where we can talk about these things rationally acknowledge reality then i i am really fearful um because this is pretty important that we do that. And I don't really know how, I mean, there's so many people that are so disillusioned and it scares me. It really does. Well, it's, it's really understandable how people could be disillusioned because I mean, the, the Ron Paul going from being sort of like a sleeper 
candidate who was like really underground and speaking truth to power to this like acknowledged like candidate who basically you know a movement explodes out of his existence and then then the republican party that completely dismissed him before just all of a sudden tries to embrace his philosophy and then waters it down to sort of go more in line with what their philosophy is or whatever they're trying to be at the moment it 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 shows you that even if you support you know if you pick one person who's truly who seems truly principled and you lift them up and and support them if they get big enough eventually the whole thing's going to come crashing down and it's going to show you that you know once money gets involved and once it's gets enough mainstream attention the likelihood of it getting corrupted and for the entire message to be diluted and basically turned in on itself is very high like i mean if you're disillusioned enough about republicans and democrats like you know i think it's totally acceptable to be disillusioned about like these alternative you know political um movements too because you know if they don't stay true to themselves and and a lot of people in the Ron Paul movement can't even acknowledge that it's been co-opted, right. you know, or that the Tea Party's been co-opted. Well, it's a lot like, of people when when Ron Paul dropped out and his son, you know, endorsed Romney and Ron Paul saying I'm out, people were still saying like, no, he's gonna win. And I was just like, do you hear yourself? I mean, how how disillusioned do you have to be? How deluded are you that you're still actually vying for him saying that he's going to win? I mean, he has just dropped out of the race. I don't yeah. understand. What reality are you living in? I, I don't understand. And can you imagine how much energy that sapped away from those various movements who were very sick right. of the Republican Democrat right. Party to actually put all their time and energy behind Ron Paul? I mean, deny, you know, understanding that you're in denial is like the first step to like coming out of the, the fog, you know? And I don't think a lot of people have accepted that and i'm not saying i'm not i really don't want people to misunderstand me and think i'm saying that if you believe in what ron paul believes in then you're delusional No, because we i think i think what you're saying is that we need to get back to where we were when we when we supported ron paul too like back to where we were in 2008 like yeah well, we can regress but i think that we need to bridge all these things together and find commonalities because that's the only way we can really do this and and back then we did we were able to respect Ron Paul and support him. We well, look how the Republicans, and then we also supported Dennis Kucinich. We also supported Cynthia McKinney. Yeah, and honestly, I think this is really true, is that Ron Paul would not have gotten the popularity he had were it not for the people on both sides of, you know, the right wing and the left wing coming together and bridging that gap on the ideological similarities that they had, anti-war, anti-big government, and then propping him up to that level. So it was like, the left and the right sort of came together because they were so angry at the system to prop him up. But then once they propped him up, he just sort of became part of the right, you know, the the establishment right. And I'm not saying that Ron Paul like drastically changed his beliefs, but I don't think that he really was in it to win it. Like you were saying, I don't think he was. And then his son, his son is sort of playing the game of politics in the right wing where he's seen this door open for him where it's like the Tea Party movement has, you know, gotten in the Republican Party. So he's trying to make a career out of himself with that, like, new path that his, you know, I shouldn't say his dad carved, more like the funders carved. You know, they made way for these guys. 
it's not like Ron Paul's ideas were so strong that it just like took down the Republican Party. It's, it's the Republican Party opened the door for them because the Republican Party is trying to reinvent itself. But they're not going to like let libertarianism and anti-big government, anti-war philosophy take over. They're going to take the things from Ron Paul's stance that are most compatible with what they already believe, which is no government handouts, um, you know, free market, no government regulations. That, those are the things that you hear the Tea Party talking about now. It's not anti-war, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it's not the things that it's... we got into Ron Paul over before. It's completely just liber- uh, It's the it's what I would like to describe as like the least appealing aspects of libertarianism. Right. Are are now sort of what the Republican Party presents, and and that's um. And I think that's 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 what's turning me off lately. It's like I've been talking a lot about this on recent interviews and with you and on the show too about how I'm recognizing aspects of our current system and and also what these very staunch libertarians are pushing for, and I feel like I'm I'm critiquing it a little bit, and I guess that's it's the first time that I'm taking like that aspect of the philosophy that I used to identify with and and say that I was um, because it's kind of maneuvered away from this really anti-war strong anti-war sentiment and we're not really talking about the wars as much we're, we're more, more talking about like this free market um, line a lot yeah and it's really odd and it's not like libertarianism was like previously some sort of like you know it's always been about you know, the free market, no government regulations. It's always been an aspect of libertarianism. So it's not like we've become more aware of what libertarianism means and, and that we've drifted away from it. It's more like libertarianism has caught on more with the mainstream and the mainstream presentation of it is more on the uh, on that generic right wing of the spectrum while omitting a lot of the stuff that attracted me to libertarianism in the first place. I mean, I remember there were, I was like, I was, I felt really lonely on 9-11 because I was one of the only people who believed that we shouldn't attack Afghanistan. I mean, I, I don't think I met anybody else who agreed with me. And um, I remember one of the only people that I could find was a guy named Harry Brown, libertarian candidate for president. This is way before the Tea Party, way before. And, and Harry Brown went on TV on CNN and talked about how there's no proof that bin Laden did it. We shouldn't go into wow. Afghanistan because it's, it's illegal. Um, we should only attack people out of self-defense. There's no imminent threat here. And they actually cut his feed off of live TV. Like I saw, like they cut him off. Like they just canceled the satellite feed because he's getting too unhinged. And he was like the only guy online that I could find constantly railing against the U S government. He would throw in the occasional free market thing, but like he spent a lot of time trying to break apart the unnecessary foreign policy of the United States and not just for fiscal reasons, for moral reasons. I think that's a thing missing from a lot of libertarianism now is that they don't, you know, even like the folks at Reason Magazine, they don't spend enough time talking about why libertarianism in a lot of ways is the moral, you know, is a morally superior choice. Like why we shouldn't, you know, pro, you know, um, discriminate against homosexuals or, you know, things like the sodomy laws being around until like four years ago. Like why that libertarianism is good for like the freedom of like the individual and, you know, 
<laughs> the rights of other countries to exist and uh, disagree with us and not get bombed. I mean, things like that. Like It is interesting, the whole, like, it is the ultimate freedom philosophy, I guess you could say, because it's about personal freedom, personal property. It's like you are your own country kind of thing, you know, like with like the, the least possible amount of regulations surrounding you. But at the same time, it's almost assuming, once again, it's assuming that goodwill argument about humanity, that we're ready to not be racist or bigoted or homophobic or, um, or, or we're ready to be conscious consumers to regulate the market with our choices. I mean, all those things, I just don't think that, that we're there yet. No. So, the- so if, you, if we did have that, then we, we'd, we'd see probably a lot of states banning abortion or a lot of states banning you know, homosexuality or, because yeah. there's so varying ideal, ideological differences between these states I think we'd see a lot of shocking things happen, but who knows? Yeah, no, we would. And I think that it's, it's a shame that when you ask someone like Rand, Rand or Ron Paul about the Civil Rights Act, they're fixated on the property rights angle of it, that it's like violating people's right to their, what they want to do with their own property, which is true. If you come at it from like an ultra-principled point of view, that's the inherent problem with libertarianism is it believes in the freedom of man. It's, it's presenting itself as the, you know, we believe in giving you the most freedom possible with the little, smallest government possible. But yet people who are discriminatory could basically create communities and like local governments that would discriminate against entire groups of people. Like you're saying, people, you know, um, so... I, you know, I, I just don't understand how even a libertarian like Ron Paul could believe that if, if businesses didn't allow black people inside, that those businesses would fail because consumers would choose to go to other businesses. I don't, I think that that's not true. I think there's a plenty of places, especially in the South where yeah. people would embrace that. I mean, right. Yeah. It might, might, you know, a lot of people might not go to that place, but it's not going to like the racists will go. Yeah, it's it's not it's it's a false premise to say that like competition in the capitalist marketplace will like eliminate places that discriminate. I mean, that's to me that's very naive. I mean, of course that's not true. So, yeah, and and and, and just also funny because it's it's they you a lot of people say like, "Oh, communism and socialism." And I and I'm just saying it because it's the opposite of of what we're talking about, but they say that that's utopian and idealistic and stuff. Well, how idealistic is it to say this? It's like both extremes are idealistic. Like, it's idealistic to think that consumers will be able to have corporations at their beck and call. Corporations are not... They're like these these faceless dictatorships that we have no control over. Yeah, Other I mean, than our purchasing power. I mean, but then again, we're definitely... Like you were saying in the last episode, I mean, we still buy shit that's more expensive because it's branded well. I mean, that's no. the nature of advertising. And libertarians are also, like, uh, like kind of inherently anti-union. I mean, they don't believe that, um, you know... Oh, yeah. They, oh, they, yeah. They, they it, think it's terrible. Which, I mean... I mean, uh, if it weren't for unions and the power of unions, we would be, there would be a lot more corporate corruption. I mean, it's a kind of like one of the fail safes. And yeah, any body organization has, can be corrupt. I mean, like a union can become corrupt. Like, but that's sort of the argument that they always use. It's like, well, we can't have government regulation because the government's corrupt or, you know, unions are corrupt and, and things like that. It's like, well, everything could be corrupted. So your argument is not, 
it, to me, it just doesn't hold water to say that that's the reason why we shouldn't have them is because it could become corrupted. I mean, we should just try to figure out a better way to have them, you know? Right, and, and statistics prove my point. I, I mean, I understand the point of corruption and, and all this stuff and how, you know, it makes the person who owns the business raise wages or whatever, and I could see where people wouldn't like that who are who side with that ideological line but at the same time every state that has union rights workers get higher wages there's less deaths on site there's just like better protections for workers i mean i i, I don't know i mean how can that be bad it just it's, it's just, bad because you're violating the rights of like the right. person who owns a business right. by like telling them what to do right exactly and that's and that's exactly. the, sort of the problem i mean it comes like a circular logic it's like yeah what, do you want the do you want like do you want the, the baron? lowest I mean, because to me, for a functioning, like, free society, you have to have some protections for the people who are most likely to get, um, who are, like, the lowest on the totem pole, because those are the people who will be taken advantage of by the people on the highest point of the totem pole. And also, those are the people who are going to be, have the sweat on their brow. They're the ones who have the workload on their backs. They're the ones who are churning out society. They're the ones who are producing everything that we take in, producing the mass amount of wealth of society. So do you want them to be happy, or do you want them to revolt? It just seems like when you do these kind of things, it's going to end badly. Yeah. I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've sort of exhausted this topic <laughs> criticizing libertarianism. But I mean, I I just want to say for the record that like I wouldn't call myself a libertarian, but at the same time, like I wouldn't I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand because of it. This some of the negative associations it has with like corporate wealth and stuff. Like I'm very much for you know, a lot of libertarian ideas. And like, I still hold a lot of value from things I read from libertarian people. Um, you know, so yeah. Well, yeah, I'm still, I mean, there's things that attract me and turn me off about every philosophy that we're talking about right now. Um, libertarianism, obviously because of what we've said, but I think two things that are really valuable made me really passionate about civil liberties Ron Paul, I have to thank for that. Um, and just that whole philosophy about like totally ending U.S. militarism, um, becoming completely independent from, from just this empire, you know, not, not being a part of this empire. And I think that that was the most influential aspect of, of getting involved in libertarianism and following Ron Paul. So those things are really amazing they've stuck with me they've influenced who i am but over time i mean you know i did identify as a libertarian for a long time um and over time i'm realizing that there's a lot of flaws and i'm just i think it's healthy to critique it i'm not saying once again we're not saying anything's the end-all be-all we just think it's good to talk about these things and point out you know things that we can do to try to bridge these gaps between these these different groups yeah, and I think it's it's really understandable that people in general who are politically motivated and want to back a cause, you know, once you break free of, like, Republican and Democrat sort of mindset, it's very easy to fall into another mindset and try to back it, you know, to the hilt, like, go, to fully back it and to try to embrace all the different beliefs in that system. I mean, I tried to do it with libertarianism early on. There were a lot of times where I felt myself... Um, not really agreeing with something, but then I would like, I would want to believe it, you know, because I would feel like 
this is a really good belief system. It's not perfect, but, you know, so, you know, there must be a reason for th this reason makes sense, you know, like without really delving into it too much. Like, I guess is all I'm saying is that it's, I think it's more important for people to just, you know, to have focuses and causes they believe in and try not to like associate those with a certain um, political philosophy because like you say, and, and I think is really true is that a lot of those are outdated and they're, 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 they're like more like ideals mm -hmm. rather than realistic. I mean, we should take these things that have failed and are failing and, and move on from them and take aspects that have worked and, and formulate something new, but we can't do that if we're still stuck so hard grasping on to the remnants of what we think that they should be because they never will be that. No. Um, they just won't. There's nothing, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, like being a Kucinich supporter and a Ron Paul supporter at the same time. I mean, they're the only two people out there who continually criticize American foreign policy and do it in a in a very cutting and sort of moral way, you know? I mean, at least Ron Paul used to do that more. He's more turned around to, like, be more of a fiscal conservative, but... And if Ron Paul were running for president right now, I'd totally vote for him. If it was between him, Obama, and Romney, I mean, and I think that's another thing is that even though we did realize there were there's some flaws, you know, with personal property, um, you know, being able to not instill the voting, not the Voting Rights Act, but the Civil Rights Act, um, even though those things are definitely big flaws in this line of thinking, at least to us and some of our friends, I think that our line of thought was just like, well, it would just be so radical. And it's this radical change that we need. We might as well try it as just like a giant social experiment. Like, let's just do it. Just have, see what Ron Paul can do. Let's like, just give him the reins. Let's see what happens. You know, and I think that that's, when you have someone like that, I think that's just like, it doesn't matter if you disagree on, on some fundamental things. It's just like, this person obviously is much more honest than these chills. Let's see what he can do. Yeah. And he, and he drastically wanted to change the system and, yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ways he wanted to change the system that I that I didn't really agree with, but it would have been you won't know what he'll do until he's elected. I mean, yeah, I mean, you pretty much, yeah. So maybe wouldn't have done shit, you know. Like, <laughs> well, at least we would have seen it, you know. We could right. have seen. Oh, okay. Well, then this is like proof that the system <laughs> is completely broken because Ron Paul did exactly what Romney would have done, or something, you know. I mean, well, it's also funny that yeah, it's also funny that Obama people give Obama a pass because they're just like, he's just one person. I mean, what is he supposed to do? It's like, well, you know that he appointed everyone to surround him, right? You know that he surrounded himself with with Bush cabinet officials, kept on people from the Bush administration, and just hired a bunch of lobbyists and, and uh, you know, all these people who are just corporate shills. You know that, right? Like, do you, do you realize that? Because it's not just that Obama is some helpless, sad sack. I mean... He's, I just he has don't a think powerhouse. People, I think it's just like moving the goalposts. Like if you, as soon as right. you point that out to someone, they'll be like, "Oh, well, he he was inexperienced when he went in, so like he needed to rely on like <laughs> the people who knew how to like work the system for him and to navigate it." I he mean, needed the, to rely on the assassination czar. There, there will always be some new excuse. I mean, that's the that's just the thing people do. Like if you. You know, the impotent presidency excuse. He can't right. do anything. He can't do anything. And then he just, like, you know, he'll sign an executive order when he wants to about something. It's like, right. well, look, he did that. 
like, oh no, if he did it about about gay marriage, he would get so much hate from the Republicans, and uh, it's, it's it's never ending, never ending excuses. Did you hear to wrap up the show? I wanted to talk about Iceland really quick. Did you hear about their uh, little revolution? I know it's a country of very small country. Um, I didn't hear really anything. But I just know that they had like a fiscal, or they had like a big economic like crash. Around the time that the WikiLeaks thing started, and there were some people in Iceland like working with Julian Assange to like expose um, some of the details of, of like the corruption. That yeah, there was there. like a prime minister from Iceland that was part of the the case. Um, basically, what happened is that Iceland was the first country to really fall um, to have the total collapse of their currency, hundred um, percent. And so after that happened, their banks were so giant. I mean, instead of Instead of bailing them out, which they couldn't, they just had to let them go, and they nationalized the largest one. It's a country of only, like, I think, like, 7,000 people, but I think, like, a 1,000 of that, so it was, like, one-seventh of the entire country just camped out in front of parliament and just protested for months until they all had to step down. It was, like, this crazy thing. It was just all peacefully done. They just, like, all would not leave. And so they completely just everyone stepped down. The prime minister stepped down, um, and all the parliament was replaced. And they're like redrafting a constitution. It has some of the best freedom of press laws in the world. Um, just all this crazy stuff is happening. It's like a total direct democratic process, and it's totally censored. Like I could barely even find. I was just gonna say, articles I was gonna say, about it. Wow, I'm surprised I haven't heard of this. And then I stopped myself thinking, <laughs> actually, I'm not because it's it's not it's not good. Uh, PR to send right. out there that like you can have a nonviolent peaceful revolution to oust a government. And, and, and it's dangerous. There, yeah, and it was funny because I interviewed some guy from Reykjavik or whatever um, in Iceland, and I was just like, "How come this is totally censored from the press?" And he was like, "It is." He's like, "Why?" He's like, "I don't know. Why do you think it's censored?" He's like, "Do you think people only want to hear about violent revolutions?" I was like, "No, I think that it's because they don't want us to get any ideas that this yeah. shit can happen." <laughs> Well, it's for this. That's a really good story. I'd, I'd like to read more about that. We'll, yeah. We'll post something on the timeline. Yeah, we will. I'll it reminds. It kind of reminds me of. I was watching an episode of Democracy Now from a couple of days ago where they were playing a. They were playing a, a Martin Luther King documentary that was made in 1970, which Whoa. I recommend everybody out there try to find online. I have not actually seen the whole documentary, but they played like half of it on Democracy Now, and it was just all news clips of. Almost all of the movie was showing the the bus boycotts that lasted oh, wow. for, yeah. for months, it like, was like nine eight months. months. Yeah, some huge long amount of time. And when I was going to school and learned about Martin Luther King, all we heard really about was Rosa Parks yep. and the "I Have a Dream" speech and the march yep. march on Washington. Yep. Everything in between the amount, the intense amount of civil disobedience that it actually required for them to get to that point was yep. nine months of bus boycotts, where like. Poor black people had were like forcing themselves to like walk to and from work, paying for taxi cabs so they wouldn't, they didn't take the bus. And Martin Luther King it. was arrested multiple times. Also, oh, yeah. all the sit-ins for months and months and months, brutally beaten, harassed. Mm -hmm. Their houses were broken into. I mean, constantly harassed by the state. 
It's um, almost like the way they teach you about it in school. It's almost like it's like it was magic, like this miracle right. that this well, one lady by decided not to, like this one lady decided not to sit on the back of the bus, and then that's how everything collapsed. It's, it's like totally by design because like, it makes it seem like it's we'll never be able to do that. It's like well, you just have to be in the yeah. right place at the they, right time. They purposely, by lie of omission in American history, do not give you the roadmap. Or the roadmap right. being <laughs> how they got from point A to point B. Right, exactly. To, to, so exactly. just so you don't you you don't understand the true motions and like the the thoroughness and the dedication and the energy and the sacrifice required to actually perform revolutionary civil disobedience. It is it is omitted from our landscape, and Absolutely it's because right, it's because Robbie. it's a very powerful s- social. Um, Technique. I mean, it's it, it it's it is very powerful, and whatever these people did in Iceland, obviously, if they ousted the government with no no violence whatsoever, it's very powerful too. And those ideas are dangerous to the power structure, right? Because I mean, for obvious reasons, it doesn't even need to be said. I and mean, and by the time this podcast comes out, it probably won't be February anymore. Um, but tomorrow's the last day of February, and this month. It's been, I think, 66 years since the internment of the Japanese it happened this month. So I'm going to do a little segment on it. But I, but it just reminding me of this as you're talking about kind of the, the lies of omission in history and wow. kind of the underreported aspects of American history. This is definitely another just skewed uh, portion of American history that we just learned very briefly about. You know, this was necessary. This happened mm-hmm. and it was over. Um, um, and, you know, our grandpa was was a um he worked in the the court system mm-hmm. at the Japanese internment camps and uh he, I interviewed him when I was like in high school I think I it was really like wanna, junior can we high school those when I come back I was going to say if you're going to do a special on it maybe you should, we should see if there's anything interesting in there to use like well, maybe I'm going to do it tomorrow is oh, I okay, to get them mind. No it's a it's a mom's yeah. place but Oh man that would have been amazing But I mean I think you know grandpa woke up to just the corruption of everything, you know, all the way back then. I mean, like, imagine being in that. You only yeah. hear about it, but imagine, like, seeing all these Japanese civilians that are clearly innocent people, you know, being herded into, like, horse stables and stuff. I mean... It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. It, it really is unbelievable. Is. It's totally Man. unbelievable. Um, I mean, we also interned uh, German-Americans also. That's very, mm-hmm. very rarely talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Italian-Americans were interned as well. Not all of them. I mean, not yeah. like the Japanese, but it was it was enough of them. You know, it was like hundreds. It wasn't... I, I don't think it was a very small amount. Um, you know, I mean... Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say something else. Oh, how crazy, really quickly. How crazy is it that NASA... Did not know that that meteor was coming into, into Earth's orbit, or at least that's what they claim. They were just like, "Yep, we didn't see that one coming." And you're like, maybe "What?" They, maybe they did that to fuck to fuck with Russia. Yeah, they're just like, "Oh, sorry, Russia." <laughs> no, it is it is actually pretty scary. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that shit. Can you imagine if that shit hit like downtown LA or San Francisco? I mean, it, it was huge. I what I don't understand about it is like. Did it land far enough away from population to not cause damage? Because I keep reading that it was like, like ten Hiroshima's combined or something like. It hit, uh, yeah. I mean, it hit. It just happened to hit in the middle of a f- giant frozen lake. But I but, mean, did it break up 
before it hit because like, yeah if, it did it did if but it, it didn't i would have i would imagine it would have caused like a catastrophe right like no it, it must have it must have but it still did create a sonic boom that like blew out doors and windows and cars and i know i saw the video footage of that's insane it is insane i mean our our shit's uh it just gives you a little bit of perspective of you know here we are just destroying the planet bombing these countries when we could be exploring space and really investing in really positive technology and just really cool shit out there you know yeah i mean like james cameron who uh is gonna do the world's first space mining operation that's what his he's gonna put his money behind not exploring for life or anything like comets and shit oh interesting yeah so he's not he's not interested in like the scientific discovery of space he's interested in Mining space. <laughs> he wants to find a little. They've already exhausted every. Even right. We we have to stage a terrorist attack here just to get cell phone minerals, <laughs> rare metals. So, <laughs> so he's. I guess that that means they're all gone. It's like our our know, uh, bro. our Earth has been excavated of all precious metals. <laughs> oh my god! Did you hear about that moron governor of Colorado who drank? Oh, I think I said this on the show. Today, if you watched it, but he drank the fluid that you use to frack the hydraulic fracturing to prove that wa- it was safe yeah he like drank it in the middle of the senate and they were just like um okay thanks for doing that did he get hurt no i mean he just drank like a sip of it and you're like yeah dude i'm sure if you drink like bleach every day you probably wouldn't feel shit for like a like a year what is until he, your wait, insides are like melting drink, what did he drink he drank like that? a chemical cocktail that the shit that they drill into the ground with this drill really deep into the ground to release the natural gas under there. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this slew of chemicals that they use to kind of like loosen the, the shale rock. And he just like drank it and he was like, see, it's totally safe. And you're like, what? Are, you're an idiot. You are a total idiot. First of all, you're totally like, like drink it every day for a year and then let's talk. Let's see how <laughs> well you feel. <laughs> It's like the same to me. That's just the same conservative idiocy as like Rush Limbaugh talking about how it's like, well, it's snowing and snowing. It's like record snow and so and so. Oh, tell me about global warming. Global warming. Tell me about global warming. People have to say about that. You know, it's like, (laughs) dude, are you an idiot? Like, oh my god, you should see how many people were like, you lost all your credibility for jumping on the global warming thing. I was like, first of all, I never said global warming, and if you deny that climate change is happening, you are an idiot. I will call you an idiot right now. How could you possibly deny that climate change is happening? And I wasn't even saying man-made or anything, even though I do believe that. How could we not be contributing to it? I mean, Jesus Christ, look at what we do on this planet on a daily basis. You, we're like a cancer. You're, how do, anyway, aside from that, it's just so funny that people are still buying into this whole hoax that, like, Yes, I understand that people pushing solutions are pushing Ponzi schemes and stuff, and maybe that's why it's so hard to believe, but, like, come on. I mean, we're polluting the hell out of the environment. It's not... I'm not saying that we need to, like, take personal responsibility for it, but obviously these corporations are to blame. Um, But to deny it's happening completely is just really strange. And to say that I have, like, no credibility for jumping on the global warming bandwagon, it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's record extreme temperatures. It's like if you defy this, like, conservative lockstep movement and you, you know, and you you acknowledge that it's, it's for the same reason. Like, if you're in the Republican Party, 
say you're a Republican senator or something and you believe in global warming and think it's a problem, like, as soon as you speak out about that, you will lose the next election. Right. It's like, that's how, like, seriously lockstep these people are. Like, that's you can't how have hard your own opinion about lobby. it. lobby, yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate. It's like, and it's not, it's not like they're intelligently trying to go after it and defeat it with science. It's almost like they're trying to chip away at it in all these, like, emotional ways. Like, look, these scientists are all trying to lie to you. Like, they think you're they're better than you, but they're just trying to trick you. Like, look at this climate gate stuff, or look at, um, you know, look at the snow here. I mean, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's, they're not, like, I've never really heard any, like, conservative politicians go up there and say, you know, the data is not is not complete yet. Like, we don't know exactly which way the climate's going to go. Yeah, you know, you're like, right. They just they just pick these really very small emotional. factions. Yeah, yeah, emotional. And that's rhetoric. what makes me think that it's a lot of money. And, you know, when you see the, a lot of these talking points around and they get echoed by big politicians, there's there's money behind it somewhere. Yeah, oh, yeah. The there's money behind huge. it. Or it's someone trying to, ch- to, trying to um, frame the debate in a way that they want something out of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just not... It's not like a real debate. It's like this weird, um, yeah, like and the deniers funniest... and believers. Like, no, it's a lot. That's actually a lot more nuanced than utterly denying or believing wholeheartedly. Like Al Gore's movie, right? Which yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't do either. No. I mean, I think Al Gore is a fear mongering um, piece of shit, and right. I think that his that he makes money off of fear mongering right. with his climate change. I mean, you know, and that's the thing. It's like. It makes me laugh sometimes listening to our show because if you actually like, if you wanted to, you could just like edit out, you know, what we just said just now, and like people would would you could use this and say, oh, we're just a bunch of, you know, anti-Republican, you know, global warming, um, fear mongers. But like, but we we you and I can acknowledge that Al Gore is a piece of shit and that he's not benefiting society by fear and that carbon that. trading is a scam and all this shit's a scam and that we don't need to calculate our carbon footprints and all that's bullshit we can still acknowledge that but also look at what we're you know collectively corporations obviously primarily and say that this is really fucking up the planet and it's really not that controversial to say that and yes i don't want to defer to authority and appeal to science here but you know it is kind of hard to look at like 99 percent of scientists who agree that there is something happening um, in that regard. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's there is stuff on the other side of it too, like uh, right. stuff the left, the solar flares and stuff. You're saying? Well, like like it bothers me when people on the left, like they even had this in a curb, curb your enthusiasm episode because mm-hmm. Larry David's like a big liberal, you know, Democrat supporter, and like there was a scene in it where he was like, you know, those hurricanes, those are that's because of global warming or whatever, and. I just think that's just really irresponsible and and misguided to say something like that. It's like you you really don't know, you know. Right. You don't know. I don't anything. think I really don't think climate science is evolved enough yet where we can determine that. I mean, you know, no, it's, to me it's just as what? silly as saying it's a weather weapon. It's like a hurricane. Oh god. Yes, global warming, I mean, the things and climate change, the climate getting hotter, you know, things like the polar ice caps melting, water um, levels rising, the ocean levels rising, like those are things are very clear cut issues and problems that can happen as a result of climate getting hotter. And it doesn't, at this point, it doesn't matter if humans are creating it or not. It's like an issue. 
It's real. Thing about it. <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. Any of it, but it does, of course. I don't know why I just said that, but, but basically my point is that why is it bad to care about the environment and try to limit our pollution? Which is really all, all this comes down to is us kind of saying, hold on, we shouldn't be polluting this much. But like somehow that's become the most controversial thing in the world. You're like, you're an alarmist. You're, you know, none of this is really affecting anything. And you're like, this isn't bad though to say that we shouldn't be pouring out methane. We can limit our usage without all believing lockstep in something that isn't 100% even proven yet. Even if global warming was proven, I just don't understand why people are so opposed to being environmentally conscious and why that's somehow a liberal issue. It's I think just odd. Because, I think because if I could try to examine it, the only real reason that I can see why that is is that people who are... People... I think people inherently, once they believe something's a problem, it's like they can't ignore it. They feel like it affect it affects you. If you once you acknowledge that something's a problem, it's gonna affect you, even if you don't do anything about it. And I think that's part of the thing is that there's so many tokenistic liberals out there who believe that being liberal is basically like practicing environmentalism in as an individual. Right. Like like not driving gas cars like composting and shit yeah and and they and then what they do is they have this superiority complex where they look at people who aren't doing that as if they're harming the environment where and then i and then and then the other side of that is i could see a lot of conservative people who just find that mindset very like offensive like it's like a superiority complex and they're just like fuck you guys like we i'll do what i want and you could live in your bubble and and believe that you know the world is the the sky is falling and do whatever your thing is, but I'm not gonna like feel guilty about what I'm doing. Instead of just being like like the middle road of that would be like actually you in, as an individual practicing environmentalism isn't gonna do shit but make you feel good. It's not gonna do anything for the environment unless you somehow start a revolution all on your own and get all everybody you know and all everybody they know to do the same thing right right it's not going to have any effect right so i i don't i i just it's yeah there's <laughs> conservatives or people who are global warming deniers i think they're reacting to a lot of that sort of mindset where it's like it's okay to acknowledge that you're powerless like that's okay to be like I can't change a fucking thing, but this is a problem. Like that's, I think that's that's like a that's like a place that's hard for people to go mentally. Yeah, it's the same kind of people who just block out the bigger picture and they're like, I'm just gonna focus on my life. Yeah, what I can do. And you're like, well, you do have to take into account the bigger picture, though. Otherwise, you're not living in reality either. You know, people say practice what you preach. I don't think that. You know, being like a full-on environmentalist, driving like a biodiesel car, and never using plastic bags and stuff is is really the way to do that. Like to practice what you preach. I think it's more just to like acknowledge that there's a severe problem, that this this is what you see would be a solution to that problem, and then like encourage other people to do it in a non-condescending, judgmental way. Well, yeah, I mean, I, which I, people I, have I a very hard time doing. Those but I also don't like. think it hurts to do those things as long as you're not super preachy and crazy about it. I mean, you can just yeah. do those things personally and not like. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you need to do these things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't use plastic bags. I think. I mean. Yeah, I mean, and I don't like. I don't like preached about it. You know. No, no. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that people who 
you know, are not liberal can't just like accept. It's like this environmentalism thing has become like this liberal versus conservative right. issue when we're all living in the environment, the yeah. same environment. <laughs> it's undeniable that pollution is harmful. I mean, no, I don't think any conservative, if you just ask them, does is pollution good <laughs> the environment? They could say yes with a straight face. I mean, you, can't, you know what I mean? Like who would, who would actually That's how absurd that? it's come down well, to, though. Well, it you has. Know? It has. Oh my god! You should see this this Keystone Pipeline rally that I went to, Robbie. It was like this rally for climate change. There was like forty thousand people there, and in, in in front of the White House, they all marched to the White House. It was basically just a Democratic rally. Everyone there had Obama signs. The whole thing had Obama's logo with like a fucking like hurricane in the middle. It was like forward on climate. Like that was like the logo for the rally. And I was like, all right, um, this is odd. And the whole thing was just kind of them pleading him. Like all these speakers, they were just like, let's, you know, Obama's going to make the right decision. It's like, dude, do you realize where Obama is right now? Literally at this moment, he's golfing with two giant Keystone Pipeline oil and gas executives. That's what he's doing. He's not sitting at the fucking White House listening to you assholes. And, and, and Jill Stein was there. I mean, God, God bless these people, but Jesus Christ, wake the fuck up. Like, you're still pandering to, to the power structure that doesn't give a shit about you? Five years into what we already know this person where his priorities lay like you really think that he's not going to build the keystone pipeline <laughs> that's amazing i mean they already started constructing it and they're all just like it's just so sad if they just were more aggressive like if we have you know forty thousand people is not a small number and to have that many people all rallied together for this cause to halt the keystone pipeline and just to completely have it all be about pandering to obama was just it was a total futile an effort and exercise in fertility 100% Jill Stein was there someone who actually is uh, someone that could have made a change you know Green Party candidate for the last election she was blocked from speaking that's how much that's how hardcore this was a democratic uh, event isn't that amazing that she they wouldn't even let her speak all right well thanks so much everyone for listening please donate to mediaroots.org we're going through a major website overhaul right now it's costing a pretty penny we run on donations uh, we have a lot of contributing writers that i'd love to be able to throw some loot to as a thank you for their contributions and please contribute we're a hub for anyone to really have a voice um please write us info at mediaroots.org if you have any suggestions or story submission ideas Robbie's running that email right now. Um, and also check out recordlabelrecords.org, which is Robbie's uh, record label. He just released a great album um, box set. Really advise everyone to check it out. It's really amazing. And um, check out abbymartin.org for my artwork and check out Breaking the Set on YouTube. Um, thanks so much for listening, everyone. You guys are awesome. Appreciate your time. Peace out.